Hey, <laughs> hello, it's good to see everybody. I'm really, really glad that you're here, uh, whether you're online watching from wherever or you're at one of our physical locations. Um, thanks for being here as today we start a new series and I'm excited about the series for a number of reasons. One is because it's about one of my favorite people on the planet. You know, who that is you. That sounds cheesy, doesn't it? But it's true. You are one of my favorite people on the planet. And it is about you. This series is called Uniquely You, Finding Our Why. Understanding that God has created each one of us uniquely. He loves us. He's thought about us. He wants us to live into his purposes uh, for him. And so that's what the series is about, is how do we find that? How do we live in that bigger sense of purpose? And the series comes at a really good time, I think, in 2021, as a lot of people are asking really big questions about their lives and are making some pretty big transitions in their lives. Uh, people are already coining this year the year of the churn, uh, C-H-U-R-N, as people are trying to come out of the pandemic. I mean, I don't know whose idea this Delta variant was, but bad idea. So, you know, right, we're struggling to try to get out of this pandemic but as we are and as we're coming out of this thing or trying to, um, people are, are just uh, reassessing their lives. They're, so people are changing careers. People are changing jobs. Uh, they're changing their, their geographies, changing their house, their neighborhoods, their social play engagements, even churches and marriages and all that. People are making massive shifts more than any other time and certainly in my lifetime, just saying, man, I, I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. Like I want it to be purposeful. I want it to be meaningful. I want it to be significant. I don't want to just do what I was doing. It's caused me to look at my life differently. And overall, I think that's a good thing. Certainly to ask those questions, those basic questions about fulfillment and meaning and purpose. The problem I think though, in our culture in American culture is that when it comes to questions like purpose, meaning fulfillment, we'll tend to look in all the wrong places to find the answers to those questions. I kind of like people looking for love in all the wrong places. I, you know, I bet you have a friend who's like that, um, or maybe you'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm that person who always seems to look for love in all the wrong places. And whenever they, you know, they'll call you and say, oh man, I met somebody and this time I think it's going to be really good. You know, I met a guy or I met a girl and you're like, Oh boy, here we go. You know, you know, it's just going to be a disaster and you just feel that. And uh, like one person I was talking to who, uh, this is actually a while back, but she's like, man, I think my chooser is broken. Like I just can't chew. I get all excited. I think it's right. And then it just, you know, it turns out terribly. I think I've just got a broken chooser. And it's, and it's very easy when it comes to just like looking for love, looking for purpose in all the wrong places as in American culture, there's a lot of good things about American culture. But in this area, I think we've got a really bad chooser just because the way we've grown up, uh, American culture is the most arguably in the history of the world, the most self-focused culture in history. And we think the answers are in ourselves and that the answer to purpose and meaning fulfillment, we put self right at the center. So as Americans, you know, we we talk about, you know, you got to believe in yourself. You've got to trust yourself. You've got to express yourself. You've, you know, you've got to love yourself. You've got all the, you know, all that stuff about self, you know, be yourself. Um, don't let anybody talk you out of being, you, you know, it's, it's all about the self. And, the, and, and that sounds great in our American ears. And so therefore we live kind of a self-guided, self-focused life. But the problem with it is it will actually keep us away from what our self actually craves and was created to experience. 
And a lot of people are observing that in our culture outside of Christianity, outside of the faith, because they've done all the, you know, these surveys lately and studies. And they've shown that, for example, one of those studies found that compared to just decades ago, that our generation of Americans, with as much focus as we put on self, self-fulfillment, being yourself, believing yourself, all that, that we are three times more likely than just decades ago to be uh, to report serious anxiety and depression and lack of fulfillment and lack of meaning. And a lot of people are looking at that from all kinds of angles, including secular angles, and, and just trying to figure out why. Like one of those researchers is a guy named Martin, Martin Seligman, who is a psychologist, head of the department at Penn. He's not a Christian. He has no religious axe to grind. But his conclusion is really interesting to me. He said this, the reason why all that's happening. He said, we've replaced faith, church, and community with a tiny little unit that cannot bear the weight of meaning. That's the self. We're all about the self. We revolve our lives around ourselves. And even a a guy who's very secular is just saying, that's a bad idea. Because self can't bear the weight of meaning. Self is just too small. Self is just too tiny to build our lives around. It's not big enough. Um, Now, we can see that with like really self-focused people. Do you know any really self-focused people? And don't point, that would be me. But just, if you know, like, think of art, or you can even see it, like there's an Instagram site that's kind of fun called uh, Influencers in the Wild, an Instagram account. Anybody watch, you know, follow uh, that? It's kind of fun to watch um, because uh, as people are doing these influencers, you know, a lot of them self-proclaimed influencers are doing all these selfie videos and and uh, and doing their little, you know, have their selfie life. And as influencers are trying to tell everybody how great their life is. And, and it's kind of fun to watch and make fun of these other people, even though we shouldn't make fun of people. It's still fun to make fun of people. And and uh, and. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking selfies or being on Instagram or being an influencer. It's just a selfie life is a pretty shallow life compared to what God wants for us. And and as we start out a series on purpose and meaning and and uniquely you, uh, we're going to start out with, with an opportunity that Jesus came to bring us. Because when Jesus came, he really came to help us out because God created ourselves. He wants us to find fulfillment, meaning and significance. It just can't be found in self. And when Jesus came, he said, I've come that you may have life and live it to the full. He wants what is best for you and me. He really does. He wants us to find meaning, significance, fulfillment. And, and, when, and today we're going to focus on a passage that, uh, that, that where he just makes that opportunity really, really clear. But But even before we get to that passage in Mark 8, I want us to be encouraged with some other passages before we jump into our main one to understand that God actually has thought about you, that your life is not random. He loves you. He really does have a plan and a purpose for your life. That's uniquely you, not just a general purpose for creation. He has a unique purpose for you, such as Psalm 139. David in the Psalms says to God, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Meaning, God, you thought about my life. You had a plan for my life. Every day of my life before I was even born. Jeremiah 115. God says to the prophet Jeremiah when he's calling him to be a prophet. He's just a teenager. 
God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Meaning before you were even born, I knew what I had for you to do. I had this purpose for you to live into. Now, you might hear that and think, well, that's great for Jeremiah, great for David. But, you know, what about me? Well, the Bible talks about you. Ephesians 2.10. For we... That's you. That's me. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Meaning before you were even born in advance of you coming here on this planet, God thought about you. Not only he didn't just think about you. You're also his handiwork. He crafted you for something to live into. And, And what that means is, is that none of us are none of our lives are random. None of us are oops, babies. You know what oops babies are, right? I mean, sometimes people have an oops pregnancy, but there's no oops babies. God, when, when you were born, God didn't go like, uh-oh, I <laughs> see that coming. <laughs> oops, you know, no, God had thought about you. He knew you. He has a purpose for you. And what the Bible lets us know is you and I will never find that purpose just in ourself. God wants ourselves, our souls to be meaningful, fulfilled, but... But purpose isn't found in us. It's found in something way bigger than us that we are created to live into. Before there was a self, before there was a you, there was God who created you. And that's where we find purpose and meaning. Colossians 1, 15 to 16 says, we look at his, at this son, talking about Jesus Christ, and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose where? In him, in Jesus. Ephesians 1, 11 to 12 says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. The God really does have a plan. He really does have a unique purpose for your life. That's what this series is going to be about is how do we find that? How do we further live into that? Today, we're going to focus on a very basic decision that comes at the front end of that to say, I'm not just going to live my life around self. I'm going to lay that aside for something bigger and I'm going to live for God's purposes. And that's one of those decisions that we make and have to revisit and revisit and revisit every day of our lives. And some of you think, man, I think I've made that decision already. I remember I was at camp, I was like 12. And that's great. I love that story and I'm sure that was awesome and it was important in your life. But this is one as we're going to see that we revisit every day of our life. What's really driving us? What purpose are we really living for? And and today we're going to be in this chapter, this passage in the Bible in Mark chapter 8. It's an incredible invitation for all of us. And I, I would just challenge you to be open enough to just say, hey, whatever's happened in my life before, as I live my life, what is really driving my life? And what would it look like to say yes to the invitation that Jesus is talking about here? And so it's in Mark chapter 8, if you turn in the Bible and you want to do that with me. And uh, and it comes at a really kind of a cool time in Jesus' ministry, certainly for his 12 disciples. You know, Jesus was a rabbi, um, you know, in, in Israel, a rabbi, a teacher, all that. Now, we we know that he was more than just a typical rabbi. 
Like he was God in human flesh is what we believe. Like came here to connect to us and all that. But rabbis like Jesus, religious leaders had disciples and it was a real honor to be chosen as a disciple. So for these 12 disciples, that was like a big deal because typically a rabbi like that, especially one like Jesus, that was so elevated, would choose the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Jesus didn't really do that. He chose very ordinary people, even subordinary people to be his disciples because that's the way he works. He, and, and so these guys are, their life is really elevated beyond anything they ever dreamed of or their mom had ever even dreamed of. I mean, they're living the life. And especially for this first year of Jesus's ministry, it's been awesome because everybody loves Jesus at this point. There's really not a lot of controversy yet. There's not a lot of trouble yet. With Jesus's ministry, everybody is just amazed because he's doing all these miracles. His teaching is amazing to them. So Jesus is like a rock star that everybody loves. Last week, I talked about meeting Steve Tyler of Aerosmith and how we're so tight. Okay, we're not tight, but how I, you know, how I I had this bump, you know, kind of this bump with fame with Steve Tyler. And so he's like the lead singer, right? And then you've got the band. Well, the disciples, they weren't just groupies. It's like Jesus is a Steve Tyler, just bigger than that. And they're the band. And so everybody, you know, they got, they got this whole crowd of people following Jesus all the time and thinks he's awesome. And things are going really great. But Jesus is going to let them know, hey, that's about to change. It's not going to be so easy. Because he knows that he's about to become much more pointed in his teaching. He's going to challenge the religious establishment a lot more directly. He's going to be a lot more clear about his identity, that he's not just a prophet. He's not just a rabbi, that he's claiming to be God who took on humanity to come here. And that people are going to have to choose because if you claim to be God, right, that means you're either crazy or a blasphemer or you're true. You're right. And people are going to have to choose. And it's going to be controversial. And, of course, he knows he's going to be rejected by the religious leadership and arrested eventually and die on the cross for the sins of the world and all that. So he's letting them know. Mark 8, 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Now, this was new. They didn't know this was the plan. They liked the everybody loves me plan. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter, one of the disciples, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Like, no, this can't happen to you. How how could you be treated that way? I mean, you're God, no way. That can't happen. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, I've always thought that had to really sting, Peter, for Jesus to look at you and say, get behind me, Satan. Well, it's not like, man, could you just say, you know, you have to go all the way to Satan. I mean, why not just say, you know, get behind me, stupid or get behind me, dummy, but get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. And why is he so serious? Because if he listens to this, he's diverted from the purposes of God. Mark eight thirty three, We just read it. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. It's another way to describe the choice we're talking about today. We either live life for self, for human concerns, for what feels great to me in the, in the near term and, and, and just, you know, what sounds fun and, and easy and comfortable and all. We, we live life that way, a selfie life. Or we live life keeping in mind the things of God, serving his purposes in this world, no matter what it costs us. 
Now, this is an amazing conversation, but it's not really the amazing part yet, because what Jesus is going to do next in Mark 8 is unprecedented. Like I said a little bit ago, rabbis like Jesus and religious leaders would choose disciples that were the best of the best. There was a selection process. Jesus already, you know, had had been really open with the 12 with that selection process, inviting, you know, normal, very normal people. But what he's going to do next is unprecedented because he's going to open it up to the crowd. He's going to open it up to everybody and anybody who wants to be one of his followers, who wants to be one of his disciples. And and that invitation is an open invitation. It's open right now, 2000 years later, the invitation that he gives. He's just saying, hey, anybody and everybody that wants to be one of my disciples and wants to be part of what God's doing here, you can be part of this. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. And this crowd was a very diverse crowd of people. You had rich people and poor people. You had men, you had women, you had slaves, you had free people. You had very religious people. You had irreligious people. You had uh, people in in this Jew, in the Jewish race and religion. You had people who were Gentiles who were not that you had this whole gamut of people. And he's going to open it up to every single one of anybody. Same thing now. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. Being part of what God's doing in this world in a big way, God opens the door. But there's a catch. And he's going to make that catch really clear. The opportunity's there, but it comes with a really big catch. Verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. So you got, you know, he's already had his disciples, right? That's the band. This is the crowd. Whoever wants to be my disciple... You can, whoever, doesn't matter who it is, you can do this. You can, you can say yes, but here's the catch. Must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, what's the gospel? The good news about Jesus, his redemptive work on this planet, his redemptive mission on this planet. Whoever loses their life for me and for that bigger mission will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what could anyone give in in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he returns, when he comes, uh, when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. So you got this choice, but a big decision point. There's a cost. There's a catch. You can live your life for God's purposes and find fulfillment and meaning in like crazy, because that's what God wants for us. But the catch, if you want to gain the life that God wants for you, you have to be willing to lose the one you have. He says the only way to gain life that the Bible is going to call elsewhere life that is really life is to lose the one you have. He says you have to be willing to deny yourself. Take yourself out of the driver's seat. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. What does it mean to take up your cross? Well, they would know that cross was an execution, right? So it's basically dying to self. But they would also come to know later as he's going to die on the cross for the sins of the world, that that's part of his, that that was his commitment to the mission of reconciling this world to God and, and bringing his redemption at work in this broken planet. And so basically what Jesus is saying is, yeah, if you if you got to deny yourself, set self aside, commit to fulfill your part of God's redemptive work on the planet and follow me into this new way of life. But what do you do with self? Deny self. Now, that's not very American. 
to deny self. Have you ever heard a song about denying yourself? I mean, I've heard songs about loving yourself, being yourself, believing yourself, expressing yourself. And there are songs that's like, express yourself. Something, is that right? Or am I just making that up in my head? It is? Okay. But I've never heard a song that said like, deny yourself. I mean, it wouldn't work. Like people would be like, why would you deny yourself? Like, that's crazy. Who, did not, who does that? Well, Jesus is saying, well, anybody who wants to live for something bigger than just our tiny little self, you can live a selfie life. It's just going to be tiny. You can gain the whole world, but who cares in the end, right? The, the option that he gives us is to live not a selfie life, but a God-focused life, a life focused on others, a life focused on his mission that is infinitely bigger. But it means I'm not going to be in the driver's seat. I may have to make some uncomfortable choices that myself isn't going to be that excited about. But self isn't what drives me. What's going to drive me is Jesus and his mission on this planet. That's what's going to inform every decision I make, whether it's comfortable for myself or not. And that's the only way you and I can gain for our soul what our souls were created to experience. But there's always this choice in front of us. And there are times that life will present defining moments for us. You have a brush with death. You're like, whoa. You go through a pandemic. You're like, whoa, what is life really about? Other times, too. I remember uh, one of those defining moments in my life. I was a young adult, like 19 years old. And I heard a sermon by a guy who would eventually become a, a mentor of mine that God would use in my life. I never, I didn't know that would happen at the time. But I hear this, uh, but I heard this sermon when I went to a, a church out of state. It just like, as a young person, it just like, whoa, okay, I've got to make some choices. And here was the illustration. He, he was just telling about his life. So his dad was a very wealthy, very eccentric guy. And, um, and one of the things that he was committed to with his kids was he felt like the best thing he could give his kids was travel to see the world. And, and if I remember right, his, uh, um, his daughter, um, so this is this person's sister, that, uh, Bill's sister, but this is his, like, like his, yeah, his sister, the dad, for college, I mean, for high school graduation, signed his daughter up for the Peace Corps and let her know, hey, this is your graduation present. You're going to spend a year in the Peace Corps in Botswana or wherever. And she's like, um, how about a car? Like, you know, really? I don't want to. You know, so they had to work that out. But with Bill, so this is his 16th birthday, okay? So he's thinking he is getting a car. Instead, he gets this big box of envelopes, stuffed envelopes. He's like, what is this? And his dad was like, ah, oh, it's going to be so great. This is your birthday present, 16th birthday present. You're going to spend the summer in South America, and you're going to go to every major city in South America. You're going to experience South America this summer. Every one of these envelopes is just travel to another one of those, another one of those significant cities. It'll give your plane tickets. It'll give, there's money in there. Uh, there's uh, your hotel. Everything's taken care of. You're going to have a blast. And he's like, I'd rather have a car. But anyway, so he goes... And so he, here's the story. So he's 16 years old. He's in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And maybe this struck a nerve with me because when I was 16, I also went to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil with my parents. And but I don't know. But anyway, he was there in Rio de Janeiro at this incredible hotel. His dad put him up in these really great hotels. So he's in this five-star hotel, Copacabana Beach. Anybody else hear that? Copa, Copacabana. Yeah. And I know if you're under 50, you're like, yeah, this weird old people are weird. But um, 
So anyway, he's he's at this hotel, right? And he goes up to the very top floor of the hotel and where the restaurant is, because he's just going to eat like that's where he's going to eat because he's staying at that hotel. So he's just going for dinner. So now it is very pretty. That bay is really pretty. You see Corcovado, the big Jesus statue and all this. I mean, it, just, it is a unique place. It is really pretty. But so he's up there on the top floor that overlooks all that. And next to him, just he's just sitting by himself. But next to him is this older couple that have just retired. And they're having this dinner and he over he eavesdrops. He overhears them. And the guy says to his wife, they're toasting each other. And he says, honey, we finally made it. All these years of work, all these years of labor, and now we finally retired to experience what we want. And here we are. We've done it. Here we are at this hotel, at Copacabana Beach, Rio de Janeiro. It's all been worth it. And you know what that did to him as a 16-year-old? He's like, if this is the peak, I've just peaked really early at 16. Like, I've already, I've already done it. Like, and it's not that great. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, okay, it's a nice hotel and it's pretty, but who cares? Who gives a flip? This is, this is nothing. And as a 16-year-old, it made him think, wait a minute, my life's got to be, the, the, the big highlight of my life can't be that. It's got to be something more than that. And, and as, a, as a person who's just a few years older than that, it made me think, man, what is my life going to be about? And there are times, right, they're just defining moments. And my prayer for this series is it'll be a defining moment series in our life to really just stop and evaluate and say, what is my life about? And what do I want to be about? And I want us to understand that the invitation of Jesus to follow him into real purpose and meaning and significance is there. But it comes with a catch. It does come with a cost to say, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to put self in the driver's seat. I'm going to put Jesus and his mission in the driver's seat of my life. That's the basic decision to make. And the reality of that decision, and I'm talking to a lot of church people, and this is the danger of a sermon like this, is you might think, oh yeah, I, like I said earlier, I made that decision at camp or in youth group or, you know, when I, you know, when I was 30 or 20 or five, whatever, I made that decision. But that's not the way it works. That's why elsewhere, another time, Jesus says, when he says, take up your cross, he adds the word daily. Take up your cross daily to follow me. Because that's the way it works. Because, yeah, we have moments of clarity, defining moments where we say, you know, this might be yours. You may have had another one to say, no, I'm, I want my life to be about God and his purposes. And we're so clear. And we make decisions and, 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 and we start, you know, getting good momentum. But here's the thing. It's like a rubber band in our sinful nature. It's like we have this rubber band to a self-focused life. And yet we can stretch that for a while and we go, but the rubber band is always working to pull us back and we don't even know it. And and that's why regularly, daily, to just say, God, what is going to drive my decisions today? What is going to drive my life today? And if we don't constantly do that, we're going to find ourselves living, whether we know it or not, a very selfie life, a life that's going to really lead to nowhere and not even know it. Especially in American life that makes it so easy. And what Jesus is saying, yeah, you can do that. I'll still love you whatever. But man, you're going to miss life that is really life. You're going to gain the whole world with an empty soul. And who wants that? So the way this series is going to work is today we're focused on the basic decision to make and revisit. And we're going to do that in just a moment in prayer. But then through the rest of the series, I want you to think of it like a kaleidoscope. 
So like we're going to twist the kaleidoscope and we're going to see different parts of our uniqueness to say, if I'm going to find my why, am I going to find my unique purpose each week? We're going to see a different kind of component of that to get clearer and clearer by the end of it. So that we'll have a sense, not just of general purpose, I'm here to know God or service purpose, but that, that we will have a sense of unique purpose. Like we'll be able to say, hey, I'm, this is why I believe I'm on the planet. That can drive the decisions that we make. We're going to talk about who he wants us to become because that's part of his purposes for us. Not just what we do, but who we become. That's what we're talking about next week. How do we become the person that God wants us to become? And then we're going to start looking at, well, how, and how do we accomplish what God put us on this planet to accomplish? And how can we gain clarity about that? And how can we fully live in his purposes? And I invite you to come to each week of the series to do that. And I invite you not to go it alone, not to try to do this alone, because I think it's almost impossible to gain a sense of clarity and purpose just by ourselves. We need other people speaking into our lives. And, of course, if you're watching online with the people you're watching with, you can go out, you know, go eat lunch or something or dinner, whatever time it is, or just have this conversation. Hey, let's talk about it. If you're if you are in a small group like I am, uh, we meet Sunday. Our group, our life group does sermon based studies. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I hope one of the things we talk about is, hey, what are some of the big defining moments in your life? And as we talk about purpose, but through the series, it'll be an opportunity to talk about just each other in a way that we can help each other affirm purpose and affirm clarity. If you're not in a group, there's a bunch of groups starting uh, over these next few weeks. And one of them is uh, is all about finding your unique purpose uh, in a way that it's not just sermon based, but it has other stuff that you'll be exposed to and watch just to even help that become more clear to complement what we're doing in the series. So if you're not in a group, this is a great time to get into a group and to commit to help each other live into our purposes more fully because ultimately, you know, before there was a you, there was a God who created you and the God who created you knew you before you were born already had a design for you already had a plan for who you were going to who you could become and what you could accomplish in this world for his bigger purposes. And he wants for you and me a life that is more significant and rich and meaningful than we could ever bump around and try to find ourselves. And his purposes for us are good, but it does mean a basic catch to say, you know what, I'm going to choose that. I don't want to just live a selfie life. I don't want to just do in the short run what makes, you know, oh, that sounds fun or whatever. That sounds good or that's easy or whatever. No. That, that just, a selfie life is just a shallow life to say, no, I'm going to deny self, take up my cross and follow him. And so with that in mind, I want us to evaluate our lives in light of the rubber band too. to say, yeah, we may have made that decision a long time ago. But really, let's be honest right now. What is driving my life? What does it mean to take up my cross daily? And over the, over however many years we have left, like what's my life really going to be about? And the invitation's there. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads together. And let me encourage you just to evaluate your life in light of Jesus's invitation. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. I mean, we, we talk about becoming a Christian and, and that's really important if, you know, our sins forgiven because Jesus died on the cross for sin. And, and that's true. And that's really important. But being a Christian is also about living a life focused on him, not on us. And allowing him to transform us, help us become the person he wants us to become 
and to fulfilling what he wants us to fulfill and to follow him. And so for some of you, that may be right now, may be your time to say, God, I want that. I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. Like I, I want a rich and full soul. I want to focus on you. I want to begin a relationship with you. You may have done that a long time ago, and this is an opportunity for you to really consider what's driving your life right now. Certainly it's a time for me to consider that. What's driving my life right now? Because the pandemic's asked, made us all ask some really basic questions, me too. And to say, man, is it worth the cost? And where I've come to is, yeah, it is. Today, I have that clarity. I hope tomorrow I will too. But I invite you just to say, God, whatever the cost, I don't want, to, I don't want self to drive my life. I want, I want you and your purposes to drive my life. Because I know I'll just drive my life to nowhere. I want to live fully into what you have for me. Father, I thank you that you always want what is best. And I thank you for your patience with us too. I'd love to think that we could all just perfectly live into your purposes. And I'll bet I live life too long to know that. And I thank you that, that you will always meet us right where we are and help us take steps toward you and your greater purposes for us with incredible patience and grace. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.